<laughs> so, are, are we actually keeping the Beastie Boys on for the entire time we're recording? I would like to not. I feel like that is going to give me a headache as much as I love the Beastie Boys. It's pretty... Considering we've already been recording for almost four minutes, I'm just kind of waiting for this to stop. Episode of Hobbit in Canada. I'm your host Tom, and with me, as always, are Dan, Ward, Mike, and Steve. We actually have everyone here today. We do. This is we nice. Do. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> for I mean, being here. Ward's partially here. He's sick. I'm partially yeah. here. His voice isn't really here. No, no. But we didn't want to hear him speak anyway. So it's good. <laughs> it's good. Even though I got a lot to talk about this week, I'm like crap. <laughs> <laughs> I like how like, you're really forcing it right now, and we have to move the mic closer to you, so I think you're actually louder this week than you've ever oh, been. Oh, maybe we should just do that all the time, then. Just to, like, <laughs> give you the hiv or something? Why would well, that make I wasn't voice meaning, so bad? I wasn't meaning, like, make me sick every week. Well, because it would deplete his immune system, and therefore we'd be more likely to get oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, but I don't think that's the hip. That's the full-on AIDS that you need. You oh, yeah. true. Which is, which is not a good thing for war's health, generally. <laughs> well, Neither is really a overall. great thing. Neither is. I'd rather have one than the other. Let's just put it that way, though. It's got weird. Well, we're starting this one off well. Uh, okay, so... We're going to power through it, though, I guess. Yeah, let's... What are you, what are you been working on, guys? Well, I'll start. I don't have a ton, but I've been. I feel like I've made progress, which is which is good. Um, so I finished up a salamander in my like absolute final, uh, completely finished test scheme for uh, Las Vegas Open. Are you saying it's your salamander's final form? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Yeah, he's final form. Um, like I did all the salamanders from the Calf box, but they were done like very much tabletop standard, just airbrushed and a few details picked out. Yeah. This is like actually done, brush highlight, finished. Um, yeah. So the problem is, is they don't totally go with the Castellans. Like there's they're they're clashing a bit because the green's pretty vibrant versus the the very toned down Castellans. So I'm having a little bit of trouble trying to figure out if I'm just not going to go with a completely new Legion, uh, something that'll match, maybe a totally different color. I don't know. I was thinking either something totally clashing, like the F- Imperial Fists. I know Ward. I'm sorry, but that would clash a huge amount. Or go to uh, just Sons of Horus, because that'll be almost the exact same color. So I did that. Um, I also finished putting together uh, one of my not official Atroposes, uh, which was uh, difficult. If you ever get some non-official Warhammer, we'll leave it at that, you're in for a lot of work. Uh, They usually require a lot of green stuffing, so you got to be aware of that. did that, and then I also got a lot more work done on Prince Rurik, which was the historical bust I've been working on from FDR. Mr. Grumpy Pants Viking Man. Yeah, he's actually Russian, but close enough. He's well, the, the first prince of, were yeah. basically Vikings. Well, Finnish. They were Finnish. I read up about his history, so I feel like I know things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he looks like a Viking, totally. You're 100% right. So I got a little bit of work done with him. Uh, I'm really happy with the way the tones are coming out in the face, which was something I was struggling with. He looked a little dead. He looked really grumpy and angry. 
Uh, he's a little bit warmer now in the skin tones and uh, got a lot of freehand on him. So, yeah, I feel like I, I got a lot done. That's me. <laughs> Michael? Um, I was sick. <laughs> what? Yay! Oh, win. Oh, nothing? <clears throat> I put together and primed some Blood Bowl teams. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Which teams? Uh, all the all new ones? All three of them? All three, so Skaven. Human. Is, yeah, okay. And Orcs. Hmm. Have you seen the pictures of the dwarves that apparently they included in the app and no one's sure if they meant to? Yeah, oh, they look so Wait, nice. Wait, what? There's pictures of the dwarf nice. models in one of the apps and nobody's sure if they were meant to be released with the app. Really? They haven't really been shown to many other places. So, as usual, I just don't follow Blood Bowl. Like, I Blood don't. Bowl was big when I worked at the store. We were talking about this on Saturday night, actually. I never got into Blood Bowl. I, I have no idea. I don't idea. know if Blood Bowl was big when you worked at the store. There were a lot of people that played Blood Bowl. Blood Bowl. We had it on the shelf. And people were... But how many of those did you sell? Oh, that's a good question. I actually <laughs> don't know. But we did have Friday... I think it was Friday night Blood Bowls, and there were always quite a few people in the store. Hmm. So, yeah, I feel like there were a few. I don't yeah, know, maybe Kingsway really didn't have... Yeah, I don't oh, know. And whoever yeah. he could bribe to come out and play games with him. That's true. I know, because I was part-timer back then, and I usually worked Friday nights. And I was mad because I didn't work Thursday nights, which is 40K, and I had to work the stupid Blood Bowl night. <laughs> <laughs> so. Not that you're bitter. Anyways, people are getting excited about it, and I still just am not in the loop. I don't know how. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's missing me. Anyways. Yeah, I'm done. Whoa. <laughs> That's so weird. We have yeah. all this time allocated for Mike. I, no, uh, I'm sorry. I was sick for. I literally did nothing for a week. I'm like, do I want to paint? And I'm just gonna lie here. It has been two weeks since our last podcast. <laughs> huh? It's been over a week, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been two. Yeah, I know. Well, one week of it was just that, and the other week was putting together shit and priming. Okay. All right. Fair enough. We're all checks out. It's legit, I guess. Ward, how about you? Whoa, whoa, wait, well. wait. Are you giving me a hard time, Ward? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. What did Ward, you do? Okay, Ward, what did you do? Because I, I actually put paint on models. Did you finish oh. them, though? No, I didn't see anything. No, like, I just did. Is that, uh, why, is that why you're dying? Because you actually painted a model? Does it, in fact, kill I, you? Yeah, I could. <laughs> <laughs> it slowly steals your power. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> it takes me so long to recharge <laughs> after base coating. Uh, um. <laughs> base coating 10 mil infantry. <laughs> <gasps> 10 mil infantry, I know what this is. Mm-hmm, it's true. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, did some base coats on my all the rest of my infantry for drop zone commander. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, and I actually fin- I finished all the reds, so. Which, uh, which reds infantry? Done. Was it the uh, Valkyrie's Sirens? I had. Sirens. What are they called? Yeah, Valkyries. Yeah, I had uh, four bases of Sirens, four bases of Valkyries, four bases of Pathfinders, oh, and shit. four more bases of regular infantry. So. Have you picked up that weird, crazy. Um, Lady that's on the pile of uh, nanobots. Medusa. Yes. Medusa. Yes. Yeah, you do have her? I have her. Oh, she looks really good. Yeah, so. Well, the sculpt is interesting, so. The Some sculpt is good. I'm talking about the rules. The, the sculpt yes. scale to do that is tough. Yeah. I don't know how to, they would have pulled that off any better. Pretty much all the PHR at the last uh, LVO had her, except me, so. Well, yeah, her whole, like, 10 damage points, armor 2 or 1 or whatever it is, is really bizarre. Like it's Well, you can kinda, shoot her and she'll take a lot of hits. Yeah. But she can heal herself too. The nano. I know. <clears throat> and her ship can heal her too. Yep. The Triton X. Yeah, so I did some uh, infantry work uh, for painting, and then my drop 
Fleet Commander uh, Kickstarter arrived. Yeah, I saw that. So I've I hate been, you so much. I know you do. So I've been building ships for that. So I've been working on my uh, PHR frigates and uh, cruisers right now. So which you brought over on Saturday night, and I was upset because I really like the <laughs> PHR. Yeah, they what? they look pretty yeah, sharp. They look like guns. They look like guns in space. I actually think I might do a PHR fleet and just not do a Sheltari fleet. Oh. Yeah. Or you could just do them both because you could pay They're them, like, very much a broadside army, though. I don't care. Their ships look amazing. Yeah, it just depends on, yeah, play style and everything. They do look really good. I'll be picking them up eventually because the whether or not I go feral or allied. UCM still works. Well... If I'm going feral, PHR oh, actually, works better. Yeah. PHR yeah. does work better if you're going yeah. feral for sure. But yeah, I got yeah. had to pick that stuff up anyways when I had it, so. Totally forgot about that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on. So. Yeah. Nice. It's awesome. And recovering. Drop zone stuff. Drop zone. Yes. Drop zone stuff. Yeah. That'll be the... Uh, Did you hear that, Justin? Drop zone stuff. Sorry. It'll, it'll be the common thing for the next little while, so getting ready for LVO, so. Right on. Ugh, I'm actually kind of tempted to play... <laughs> so, I'm not going to, but I really am liking the game right you now. Should. I'm not. the The 40k tournament's going to have 500 people there. It's going to be insane. So what you're saying is they won't miss you. <laughs> <Good point. laughs> but uh, on that note, uh, <laughs> going to change the subject as rapidly as possible. Um, I guess for my progress for this week, it has been a lot of building and. Carving up and sculpting and converting a bunch more. This is not a test model. So rather than doing some work on the ones that I have, like, built and primed and airbrushed and zenithal highlighted and stuff, I need to build more because the warband that I initially built up doesn't really function particularly well now that I know the rules and certain guys had weapons that don't make sense and can't really use all the things the way I intended to or hoped they would work. So i got to make some more guys to make them work, and that involves chopping and green stuffing and converting and doing all kinds of fun things. Okay. So carving up a lot more hassle-free miniatures, because most of the Borderlands-style models that I bought back in the day were from hassle-free. So I was going to ask, I saw some photos on our uh, podcast chat of... Uh, one of the Borderlands characters with the turret. I can't remember his name. Yes, Axton. Axton. I was going to say Axel, but that was close enough. Anyways. Halfway there. Uh, did you did you get any actual paint on him, or is he just... Uh, no, I broke him in half while playing a test game. Oh, good. And then his arms fell... Or no, his gun fell off, and his torso fell off from the waist. And in some ways, it made it easier to finish the last bit of green stuff, because the way he was holding his weapon was really like down low against his thighs, where I needed to do more sculpting. I was going to say, so breaking him real good. So breaking him into pieces actually made it easier to finish the conversion. So nice. I'm just about done. I need to do a tiny bit more green stuff on his shin pads and like a little uh, detail thing on his thigh, and then I can glue the gun back in place and uh, finish him up and get him primed and everything. The turret is now totally finished and based. Um, I'm almost done converting up a model from Maya, who's the siren from Borderlands yep. 2. And there's... Um, She's called Ekaterina. It's one of the models from Hassle Free that looked very similar. She's basically wearing like a fancy, like almost like um, like cat suit, like old school. I don't know, like bodysuit, bodysuit yeah. type thing with like the cargo pants and pistols and the short like pixie cut and stuff like that. But the issue with Maya is in the game, she's one of her sleeves is or one of his arm, her arms is bare and is like all covered in tattoos. So I had to carve off, like, the shoulder pad and take the arm that was wearing, like, the full bodysuit sleeve with, like, all the folds and everything sculpted into it and carve it 
to make it look like it's bare skin. Mm. And so far, it is like hours later with a brand new X-Acto knife. It looks just about perfect, and there's no green stuff on that arm in it anywhere. Really? So I'm pretty fucking happy with that. That I took like yeah, the shoulder pad off, got all that extra detail, made it all slimmer everywhere since it doesn't have that layer of fabric. And yeah, it's gonna now take ten times longer to paint because of all the freehand like full sleeve of tattoos. But it's gonna look fucking sweet. Nice. It's awesome, so, man. Yeah, lots of lots of converting and building and basing and that sort of a thing. Got a little bit more terrain prep because I need more fucking scenery. You should have just cut off her arm completely and glued on a Katachan arm. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> it was just like completely out of proportion. Just to settle arm. this the usual way. <laughs> <laughs> just a commercial. Oh, One arm, man. right arm, for, way bigger. So, so for terrain, are you looking for like more like um, scatter debris like around just to block like little line of sight or are you looking for bigger things um i have a lot of scatter terrain from back in the day that i never painted so i can't remember if it was one or two sets of the it was the orc barricades from 40k back in the day oh i have one of those too so i had a whole bunch of those that were just like glued to hardboard and with sand on them and stuff but i never primed and painted those so i will be doing that and uh, there's also a bunch of secret weapon miniatures um, scatter terrain that i got back from the kickstarter for tablescapes and i just never got around to painting it um, so that's like the, there we go. So it's like all the scrapyard train with like the, the trash tank and the crashed airplane. And there's like a truck up on its side and stuff like that. So why hide opening beer cans? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Let's not kid anybody. <laughs> Everybody knows exactly what the fuck is going on. Here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's that. And there's also, yeah, there's a handful of other little train kits that have lying around like, um, <clears throat> some little like wooden pallets and stuff like that that can just be like soft cover so oh, okay I, pick, I picked up um, a bunch of those too so oh, a little late to the party another, another one Steve um, yeah so I've got I've got a bunch of that too so we can uh, maybe collaborate one day and uh, build some stuff cool I yeah, have be two awesome. benches of mics for my drop train there you go <laughs> two benches Thanks for coming out. <laughs> and um, I think actually, I do. I do have some drop train now. I have those Promethean pipes that I could would actually oh, nice. work pretty good. Oh, very for nice. especially some post-apocalyptic stuff. Mm-hmm. That would work yeah. great. Nice, cool. So anyway, I think that's uh, my progress. Not a lot of paint necessarily, but a shitload of yeah, exact knives and green stuff and all that good things. So I understand that. Yeah, it's like the Atropos. <laughs> well, mine's a little bit more enjoyable, I think. Mm-hmm. A little. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been throwing some paint on some elf models. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> this is not all of it. <clears throat> I don't think anybody here is entirely sure how we feel about this. <laughs> I'm not even like, happy. I know how I feel about this. <laughs> I think that shit is hilarious. Especially because one of them's got the black and white coloring pattern off of the one Ewok. Yeah. I'm feeling you would use Ewok color patterns eventually. <laughs> So you didn't do them all just brown? Just no. shades of shit. No, brown. there's one that's like really kind of a brownie white. There's the one that's black with like weird streaky white patches all over. <laughs> so let's delve into the Melmachian fluff. Do they have different colorations? Yeah. Or are they all one color of alf brown? No, if you look at the the Alf comics specifically, had the widest variety of Melmachian just fur tones. I, I, can I we feel, can we watch this back? Just like I feel that I recall that though. Knows there's an Alf comic. Yeah, I was going to say. Sure here, are that. there Alf comics? Yes. <laughs> really? There was also a handful of animated specials. Can we move on? No. <laughs> I feel like this is now going to be the topic of our podcast. <laughs> Why did they make these and for who? <laughs> um, for kids and because ALF was really popular in the 80s. I, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't see it. And in the eighties, if anything was on TV, they wanted action figures. They wanted comics because Star Wars showed them the value of merchandise and Christmas specials. That too. <laughs> oh god. Hopefully with less Maybe cocaine. Not oh dear god. Maybe not that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was doing that. I also put together a bunch more drop zone. And yeah. Oh yeah, the week before that I finished a bunch of drop zone stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. I finished up four more walkers. So let's just because there's actually a lot of time wasted in this now. Let's move on to the shop and take my money. I'll jump in. Uh so I jumped into Drop Fleet. And bought a bunch of Kickstarter <laughs> stuff off a guy. Yay! I uh, got the UCM, and so there's that. <laughs> and then I had to get a, or put in a, a Black Friday order from Battle Foam, just to make sure that I had a case for my Drop Zone and Drop Fleet, and a case for my Momakians. So, nice. picked up the Iron Kingdom's Messenger bag. Because it carries 15 models in a little front pouch, and then otherwise it's just like a satchel like anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's lots of room for rules and accessories and that kind of stuff. Great for those those skirmish games, for sure, yeah. Absolutely, and I'm really excited, too, because if it means if I ever want to travel to somewhere like, I don't know, maybe Ontario to play this is not a test against someone, specifically the might have oh. cats that I can beat up on. Who's who's out there? I don't or know. Pigs, or pigs, or chickens. Or ducks. Or ducks, yeah. Jay. Bunnies. <laughs> Why would you go and visit Jay, though? He's terrible. I wouldn't go visit Jay. <laughs> go visit my sister and then, like, bomb over to his place oh, so for a few hours. Because, yeah, that would be, that'd be a horrible waste of your time. Yeah. It, would, it, would, it wouldn't just be for wow. Jay. <laughs> um, so, and I was looking at it. It's really good. And also for, like, the painting nights we've been getting into a little bit more now. Um, it's just really nice to be able to throw a couple models in a bag. Yeah. I remember totally. back in the day we used to have the, like, the Sharon oh, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, had a little messenger bag, but the messenger bag was Sharon? complete shit. Sharon, Sharon, Sharon. <laughs> I don't know Sharon. which bag are we talking about. Is it was it a, a little like one? it was a satchel bag. It was the same company that made the soft cover or like the soft case bags for GW for the longest time. There was the one with the the, the Aquila on it, and then I've got that orc one. Oh yeah, yeah they had a soft one. Yeah, they had the embroidery somewhere in BC, I think. I totally forgot that they made those soft cover bags because they've been making the plastic cases for years. I forgot yeah. it was only I think bags. about three years that they did them. Yeah, and that company also made like a satchel that had a little insert, but the problem is that the insert was garbage. Didn't you have one, Dan? I had several of those bags. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. I was and once somebody that. sat on one of those bags when it was full of converted uh, chaos chosen. And, yeah, it was a bad time. It was a bad time. That's why I like Battle Foam. It's all reinforced and rigid, and it doesn't well, you immediately obliterate. Rigid. You never want to be soft. You need yeah. some increased tensile strength. Yeah, no, no flaccid cases for me. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so I bought the drop fleet and the couple bags, and... Oh, God, I hope that's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, moving on before you get sad. How about you, Dan? Um, yeah, Black Friday, I picked up the... Um, I was got in on the same order, so I got a Battle Foam 432 case for the last couple waves of X-Wing releases that I haven't been able to store. And picked up an Iron Kingdom's bag for all the reasons Tom was talking about. Nice and cheap and useful. And what else did I get? I picked up my brother Vinny uh, Fallout-looking guys. They were on sale as well. And I picked up some stuff off Amazon today for doing um, doing up some tokens for This Is Not A Test, because there's not really anybody that makes tokens yet. Gotcha. So you can go on places like Amazon and get um, 
or like Michael's craft stores and stuff like that and actually get like bottle caps that are intended for like jewelry and stuff. So they're slightly flattened out and um, not quite as stabby as regular bottle caps. But yeah, you can, it's kind of got that like recessed area where you can put um, like a card like with the token printed on it and glue it in there and put a little clear plastic sheet on top of it sort of a thing and it actually works pretty fucking awesome. Nice. So we're going to be making up some, yeah, making up some uh, custom tokens for This Is Not A Test the next little bit. Pretty excited about that. I feel like I would go with the stabby bottle caps, though. Like Just so if you're losing, you can, like, gouge your opponent's eyeballs out. At that point. Just fucking scoop it in there. You're modeling for advantage at that point, right? So. <laughs> I don't know. Just. <laughs> I don't know about this one, man. I feel like, regardless, a bottle cap would at best be an improvised light weapon, so it wouldn't be very scary either mm. way. It's very true. <laughs> Ward, how about you? <laughs> oh, yeah. We also bought the rules for this is not a test. Yeah, we got. I downloaded the PDS. I spent all the dollars because God only knows when those uh, hardcovers are going to get distributed. So, didn't want to wait. Want to play some games? Nice. And I have played games, and they're fun. Okay, I got to play some games. Anyways, Ward. Uh, you know what I needed? Hmm. More mats. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that sounds like a thing you need. <laughs> you you now have so many mats. You're now storing them at other people's houses. That's true. <laughs> I just decided to leave some here, so I picked hey. up. Uh, <laughs> How many mats do you leave here? Just two. Just two. <laughs> one one for drop zone, one for drop fleet. So you know, nice bases are coming. You know. Right. So yeah. So I I, I picked up uh, a bunch of new mats for uh, drop zone, drop fleet. So. That'll be uh, awesome. We're going to talk about those a little bit later. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, I, I do want to talk about them quite a bit. So. And then I also spent some money on Amazon uh, yesterday. I picked up some LED light strips. Oh. Um, my painting station actually has a uh, top that sits on it, so I can like store like uh, books and supplies up top. So around the inside, I'm I'm basically going to run the LED strip to get some backlighting and just light up the painting station a little bit more at home. So nice. picked up one of those pretty cheap, which is way better than going to Home Depot because that was pretty expensive. Uh, and then the last thing is because of you guys, I spent a lot of money on retro robots. Yeah! So Hydra Miniatures got a big chunk of change from me, and uh, I have a bunch of retro robots on the way. Pretty much one of everything, at if least. If you haven't seen nice. these uh, these miniatures, you need to take a look at them. They're so lovable. Hydra miniatures. Yeah. Hill Hydra. The Robot Legion from uh, Retro Raygun, the miniature games. Yeah. They look like they walk directly out of like some bad 50s sci-fi. Like, like the Iron Giant, almost. And, yeah. They're and that sort of yeah. so corny. I love them. The, I, I was really close to getting the Galacteers as well until the elf conversions actually worked out. Because the, ga- <laughs> the, the Galacteers, or Galacteers, I don't know. But they are, they they kind of look like Buck Rogers. Yeah, that's awesome. That's exactly what you want in your 50s sci-fi. <laughs> right? Like your ray guns with like the different like levels of satellite dish, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you need those. And yeah. then that one guy with, if you look at it, there's going to be one of the Galaxiers that has this thing on his head <laughs> that none of us have been able to figure out what it's actually supposed to be. I want to see this after the podcast. It looks like some weird, no, during the podcast, Steve, this is how we roll. Oh, yeah, that's it's right. we it's do some have. weird triangle thing on his head. It's, maybe. Not, it's not even triangle, it's just... Is it like a reference that we did, We missed by like 50 years? <laughs> it could be. Is that like potentially the issue here? <laughs> it could yeah, be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Retro ray gun. It's, they're actually a pretty cool range because they also have kind of like that... Um, Women from Mars Almost or Venus like, yeah. kind of vibe. Amazon oh. slash alien. Amazon women in the planet. Moon. Death by Snoo Snoo. <laughs> Death by Snoo Snoo. <laughs> All right. Episode. They've and they've got a, a uh, Futurama for those that don't know. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know what's on his head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a menorah. <laughs> He's a space Jew? Well, Mel Brooks did the song for that. I don't know what that is. I have absolutely no idea. It looks like it could... An antenna? Maybe it's like some sort of... Maybe he's the comms guy? High-frequency radio transmitter strapped directly to the top of your helmet? Yeah, I don't know. Have you looked at, <laughs> is that you his backpack? Yeah, maybe it's a radar dish. I, I don't know. I backpack. Is it on his backpack? I think it's on his backpack, dude. Oh, uh, way to ruin my I think it's on his backpack. Love. Although it does look, in that photo, like it's directly coming out of the top of his head. It's yeah, that, that, definitely, <laughs> that definitely looks like some giant thing strapped to his back, <laughs> not his head. Although, still. Because his head is cocked to the side, and the thing on his back is aligned to his shoulders. That's also, why it looks silly. You that should being show him. said, why is that on his backpack, still? You should also show him the monkey, so. Yeah. They have a pet monkey. They have Jokero. It says he has a Pretty scanner much. slash jetpack, so it needs to be big and weird. Yeah, Obviously, really. that's how a jetpack looks. <laughs> well, a scanner slash jetpack, yeah. Yeah, don't, have you seen one? Just, just sell this look guy at the rest short. of these. Just look at the whole thing. <laughs> oh yeah, Simon Six is what all this is all about. Oh, that that is a terrible sculpt. <laughs> Holy shit, that's bad. Actually, Comet Galactier Chimp <gasps> is amazing. I should have just ordered one just because, but I didn't. Yeah, you should. Uh, okay. But you didn't. So, anyways, I guess that's the punchline here bad. is that, um, and I know a few people have been kind of following us up on this. Of, for this is not a test. Find models you like, make it work. So yeah. there's um, one of our friends, Elliot, actually got the Kickstarter for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> like 28 mil figures. So he's going to run them as mutants in This Is Not a Test. Yep, I'm going like, to run uh, my Castellan plus a bunch of Fortwell guys and some of the Data Smiths because they will be perfect robots. So yep. I'll have one big guy and a bunch of littles. Not quite perfect robots. Let me put it this way: well sculpted. <laughs> He's those are there. Those are lovably hilarious. I, that might be as far as I go. With <laughs> this is also an opp- opportunity to use those um, Futurama minis that they have oh, yeah. from Warlord. Those or? would be perfect. There's a couple from various manufacturers. I think Armorcast has some totally not Futurama models, like totally not Zoidberg. Or totally not Bender. Zoidberg, Zoidberg. But there's Bender and Flexo. Oh, and they, I think they actually have oh, a Hedonism bot, too. They do have a Hedonism bot. <gasps> yeah. And that clamps. Be what I want to play, for sure. <laughs> Zoidberg, Bender. We all realize that there is no warband that is entirely comprised of robots, right? That's not That's why you take Fry. <laughs> Kill all humans except Fry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, it works. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyways, so my my warband's not all robots. It's just got one robot. Yeah. And the rest might be a bunch of cyborgs. That's totally not a robot, dude. <laughs> it's fine. Fair enough. Okay. That's is that it, it for you, Ward? That's it, that for Mike. Uh, Ward decided to tell me that I needed mats as well. <laughs> I'm pretty so, sure he I'm just thoughtful. said, hey, Mike, I'm getting mats. You want any? And you said yes. I'm an enabler. Yeah, this you're making it sound like Ward was a, much more of a pusher in this case. Well, he is, really. I feel like he just... <laughs> he clicked the button that had it shipped, and that was about it. I just sent you pictures, and you, by your own volition, decided that you needed mats. Yeah, we all know that's not pushing the product at all. Not at all. No. Whatever you need to tell yourself, Mike. Whatever you need to tell yourself. We all have problems here. Yeah, so we all have problems. And I'm probably going to be dishing out money for battleships right away. Oh, yeah. They're probably about 40 bucks a pop, though. I think for which game? More. Drop Fleet. Drop Duh. Fleet. Drop Fleet. Duh, man. 
I feel like we're doing really bad things to each other right now because we're getting really excited about three or four different games. Yeah, I know. And the amount of money... Don't I, worry, I don't give a shit about those other games. I'm fine. <laughs> Battletech! <laughs> so we were hanging out, and we're just talking about random models at the... Because we were, we were doing a painting night with some of the Amps dudes. And we got talking about Battletech, and Kevin's like, I think I've... like." Like, what was that game called, like, originally when it came out? And he was thinking, 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 Battle walks droids. over to his shelf and gets, like, OG Battle Droids models that were just kind of hanging out on one of the shelves. Oh, no. I think we could be friends. <laughs> oh, no. It was, it was we could go amazing. kick some pumpkins in the garage after this podcast's over. I think we got this. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Okay, Mike, you got anything else or just Matt? No, that was it. Those That's are what about Blood Bowl? Oh, I bought Blood Bowl, too. Yeah, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever they come out with those dwarves, I'm sure you'll buy them, too. Yeah, they look... I, I just oh, really want to paint them. I found one. It looks pretty fucking cool. And Let's they're see. painted teal, which is the best color. Yep. All right, I guess it's me. So I uh, have not bought this miniature yet, but I have found out that a company is putting it back into production. Um, it's a miniature called Boudica which is a uh, historical Celt queen that led an insurrection against the Romans. There's a fantastic, uh, I don't know if it's, it's, I guess it's a bust of her. It's like a half bust. She's got like an arm and like the half of the other arm. She's holding a spear. Yeah. I guess it's waist up. Um, it's a absolutely fantastic uh, sculpt from Oregon Miniatures that went out of production about three years ago. And different companies bought the rights. Yeah, well, not even that. The uh, SK Miniatures or something like that, the the artist from Oregon went to them and has now put that miniature back in production. So cool. when the company disbanded, he got the rights to it. Now he has production oh. capability for it. So That's pretty sweet. It's a sweet miniature. There's one on Putty and Paint that is absolutely stunning. Yeah, the one where the... Yeah, you got to look, look at the over the shoulder... Cloak over the shoulder oh, with the tartan. Wow. It like actually has the like fabric texture painted onto it. It's amazing. Yeah. So if this goes into production and I can get one, that's what I will be picking up. I messaged them, and it looks like probably in the next couple of weeks I should be able to pick one up. Good nice. deal. Yeah. If I can paint it like that, will be a different story because that cloth is ridiculous. And that's and the hair is really vibrant too. Yeah, the the orange hair, like the very very reddish orange hair, super is saturated. Impressive. Looks yeah, really good. You, you can get a chance to see the other arm on her with the tattoos and the slight cuts that they've got going on. That's also really impressive. The, the blue. Uh, what kind of tattoos? Like just the swirly blue. Yeah, yeah. I'm prob- I might have to reference that when I do the um, when I do some of the Borderlands, like the Sirens, because they have the blue swirly. It's a little different style, obviously, it's but more electric. The colors, but just forgetting the colors, because like I can't use the color palette directly out of the video game. Like yeah. I have to modify it a little, and that will be a good reference. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna. Tr- I've, I've been really enjoying painting uh, the larger figures. It really pushes your your blending ability because you can't get away with sort of half ass blends on a smaller area. So I want to do more of these miniatures because I think it's making me a better painter. Cool. On the topic of painting larger miniatures, Ward. Yes, we, we, we did paint some larger miniatures. Well, we started painting some larger miniatures. We have painted. Yeah. But we, we had our brains exploded. <clears throat> yes. Why? Uh, so we, me and Tom went down uh, to Calgary to attend the Banshee painting class, uh, which was one of four sessions across Canada. That's uh, our break? My, vo- my voice is going, so you... Okay, all right, all right. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Banshee's the online handle of a man called uh, Alfonso Giraldez, which is me totally butchering any pronunciation there is. Uh, but he is one of the best painters in the world. 
Um, I think most people's list, no matter who you talk to, you should have at least in the top ten, if not the top five. Yeah, Putty and Paint has him at number three, I think. Yeah, right? And this is a dude who, he's worked for every company imaginable, except for some of the more North American ones, like Weird or Privateer Press. Like, he even sculpted a bunch of the... um, 30k marines for sons of horus for for or forge world i had no idea really yeah he yeah. was the art director for nuts like, planet nuts planet he worked for night miniatures he did work for nuts infinity planet. he's done a bunch of work for a bunch of different companies and the dude has skills um first and foremost his ability to stay excitable after being in canada for a month because um, like he, it was four separate weekends, but he stayed in Canada the whole time, so he was away from everything he knows, speaking a language that's not his first language. And on the last couple days of him being in the country, he was still like given one hundred and ten percent. Yeah, we were the last stop out of the four uh, cities, really? so yeah. But it was huh. it was awesome. So he's he's really excited about uh, painting and and showing off his uh, techniques and getting. Just color theory uh, out there too. That's everybody. what I would be most interested in is the color theory. Side oh yeah, you missed out then. Oh, so <laughs> I just want to I want to just put this out here right now is that uh, if you ever have a chance to take a class from this man in any capacity, I have never encountered another uh, miniature painter that is more enthusiastic about their art than him. He not only does he know his know his shit for how to actually paint, but he's a, definitely a student of. <clears throat> of painting and art in general, and really, you can tell he loves what he does because he really conveys it and how he talks about it. So it's a, it was even though we were sitting for oh god because it was nine to nine on the Saturday and then nine to about seven on the Sunday. I would say so, yeah. And so. we didn't stop for our first break on the Saturday until about two thirty. Wow! And this was like hardcore color theory <laughs> and art theory and everything and. He actually found a way to manage to keep that captivating for that long. So, if you got a chance, can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, the first day uh, with the 12-hour session, we actually probably painted our models for about 45 minutes. Maybe. It might have been closer to half an hour. Maybe. So, lots, oh, lots of color theory. We um, did have a lot of exercises where you're working with colors on a palette and paper and stuff. So, we were mixing colors for probably about an hour. Yep. Um, so, there was hands-on involved, but so much of it was just giving us the understanding of um, really all of the the terms and a lot of the ideas behind how you're mixing colors. So, what do you mean by, like, terms? Well, things like luminosity. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, Things like talking about clarity in terms of how light or dark something is. Like, how much white or how much black can be involved. Like, you're looking at, at, in that context, you're looking at um, saturation being uh, how true the color is relative to, like, mixing in the white or the black. You're looking at... Your desaturation, your... Uh, we looked secondary at the, and tertiary colors. Yeah, and what exactly makes up the secondary and tertiary colors and how they can be impacted. Other little tricks, like one of the neatest take-homes for me was... All when the different forms of contrast? Oh, God. Yeah. 
Because that was something that blew me away. There was a list. And I just heard about it in the Reader's Digest version. It sounded sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he said it was a list of 10, but it was actually like a list of 13 different forms of contrast. I just just kept on writing, so. Right? (laughs) Um, And a lot of that was... um, One of the things that really got me was the idea of... uh, Because we've all heard about contrast using complementary colors or using um, contrasting colors or using different textures... But the idea that I never really thought about before, um, two of the ones that really stood out was the kind of the thickness of the paint that you're using will impact how it presents. So there's actually situations where using thicker uh, paint on a model for a particular like more candy coat kind of effect can be useful. Like it's not always about just really thin layers of color all the time and blending smooth and carefully mm-hmm. and slowly like controlling the thickness of your paint was really neat. And then the other one was... Um, Isn't fuck smooth like one of his like trademark phrases? Yeah, but that, that's, that's not that, the same. It's not exactly what he means by that. We're going to get into that yeah, in a sec. Stop there smooth blending. Like on his, well, his not, famous uh, make it look like an art sketch. Uh, well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of nuance to that, so we'll probably spend a few minutes talking specifically about that one. Uh, and then the other one was I never really thought truly about luminosity before. Um, <clears throat> like really that um, that characteristic of a color that just makes it more vibrant, um, and how you can really kind of play in with that um, was really kind of neat. Where if you're getting if you're wanting a little bit extra contrast, um, let's say you're finding specifically when he's talking about shading and finding ways to put color in shadows. Where, and this is where it got really weird, because the idea was, with any color, um, excuse me, shadows are not always straight black. You're going to find bits of color in there from time to time. Gotcha. And on a larger scale, kind of like that 75, um, or I guess like 54 to 75 mil models, you actually have space in there to add some more luminous paints to really give that, that feeling of color. There's like an actual like highlight in the shadow. And such as well. So, hmm. like, yeah, yeah like so it's, he, like, it's like a secondary highlight sort of thing. I've I've seen it on actually a lot of like non-metallic and other like digital color theory as well, where they get into it's, it's like a secondary highlight kind of a thing. And it's mm-hmm. I, I think I know what you're getting at. Maybe slightly different terminology. Like, yeah, no, it could be for sure. So, but yeah, I've I've know from computer. If you're talking computer graphics, I think you're talking about light reflex. Right. Yeah, this was this was a based like it was talking about like uh, physics based rendering and yeah. just where yeah. like where all the different types of uh, colors are coming in and why and like there is definitely like a secondary really subtle yeah like richness in some of the shadows and mm-hmm. uh, this is what we're getting at yeah um, why don't we talk about fuck smoothness because that was here. definitely one of his best known uh, <laughs> attributes he's, he's got a hat. That if says you, fuck smoothness. If you haven't uh, seen the miniature that I think we're probably going to reference in this, it is one of the top ones on Putty and Paint. Uh, if you go top projects, I'd say on the first or second page, and you really can't miss it because it does not look like anything else on there. Well, and fuck smoothness is not necessarily about a specific painting style, but in my my take on it, and Ward, you can let me know yours after I take, give you mine. Okay. But the idea is... Typically speaking, we approach miniature painting as as if there's a right or a wrong way. And the conventional right way is all about really smooth blends and having transitions 
that you can't notice, and this very kind of pristine, careful look. And so one of the tenets is that why can't we apply other art styles to miniature painting? So you're talking about, like, pointillism from, like, the mid-1800s? Pointillism, cubism, various abstract forms. Impressionism, I've actually seen people try to do on miniatures. It's fucked up. Yeah, It's a little too small for impressionism. I was going to (laughs) say, when you also have a 3D shape, you can't be that impressionist when the model's already... Yeah, because the viewing angles are constantly changing. So impressionism is about optical illusions and how your eyes physically sense color. And on a 3D model that's rotating and stuff, that's hard to do. <laughs> Not impossible, though. And some of the stuff yeah. that he did was really cool. But uh, So one tenant was you know, not restricting ourselves to one art form in the context of miniature painting. And yeah, then the I sec- can see a lot of pointillism, actually, in his stuff, uh, where he's got a lot of like points of color that add up to do what the overall model does. And then the second piece is f- paint for the sake of fun. And something that he did, which is my only real critique here, was he does a lot of sketching for painting models where he'll take the bust that he did or various larger models and find ways to get a really beautiful effect on the model in about 30 minutes. Mind you, most of these models are like 80 or $90, like beautiful 75 mil casts that... You know, just I can't afford to like drop that much money for half an hour of joy. He did, and that's my only real critique because the uh, the aesthetic and the look is really cool. Yeah, he did a lot with that. Yeah, with, with the, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just throw one of these together. Like, mm, really? Yeah, he did. He did a lot with that. Where basically just using grayscale, he like built up like where like light sources would be. Uh, he did a sunset uh, model that one of the guys at the class actually picked up. Yeah. So just like blues and reds and purples of like a sunset yellows like where it would hit the model and and create like shadows and shades and in that respect as well so where the rest of the model was just like black from like primer and such right so um things of that nature right so just getting look looking at nature and applying it to the models right and and i would agree with you with the with the fuck smoothness um where it's applying different styles that you might see around in in um museums or art galleries and such and applying that to the model range because yes again most of our impressions are that everything has to be smooth on the model blends have to be perfect and it doesn't necessarily need to be that way yeah and i think uh, one of the the real punchlines there for him is that even though blends don't have to be smooth you don't have to really enforce all of these traditional ideas if you're doing it so long as you're doing it in a way that can convey the emotion of the model, right? A lot of it comes back down to it being an art form and really focusing on how you can get that model to come alive by any means necessary. And if that um, you can do that in 20 minutes using a handful of colors, great, right? And so that's, I think, what really what he's trying to show with those 20, 30-minute sketches is that you could really bring out the character of a model without going overboard. Now, I think it's also easy for him to say, like, oh, yeah, you know, fuck smoothness when most people are still trying to achieve that look because it is so difficult. Once you've already got that, sure, push further than that. But that would be my criticism is, no, that's what I'm aiming for. I want to get a really smooth, perfect finish. And you have, yeah, to, build and up, to, and you have to build up the fundamentals yeah. before you can move on to the and he's, and he's yeah. not And he's not against that. Like, no, if that's, I, I, if that's I, your I, style and that's what you like, absolutely. Like, I was just like, that's not you, the be-all end-all. You, I'm, yeah. mostly, I'm mostly playing devil's advocate here. That, that would be my only critique is, like, I can't get there yet, man. <laughs> like, not even close. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things he was really careful about, too, is when we were working on models, 
he wasn't focusing on how to get blends because you can get blends in dozens of different ways, mm-hmm. um, be it layering or wet blending or glazing or whatever else. And he's like, you know how you want to paint. Don't don't change that for the sake of. Just think about how you apply it. And one of the things that was really neat was when we we're working on sketching out the model, I, I just kind of turned my brain off for a bit. And um, I mixed up the skin tone just out of primary colors in white and black. And I was working really hard to not try and paint carefully, but just to, like, block out things and where they might look cool. And one of the things he was really talking about is every once in a while on a larger scale model, you're going to find colors popping out on the model that you might give it kind of that neat look where you don't necessarily consciously go into the model and say, this spot here needs to have this effect. And as I was going along, I was painting it up, and under the chin, it kind of looked a little bit green. Just from doing all of these kind of brown, yellowy flesh tones over top of a black primer. And then it was like, all right, well, let's add some contrast of luminosity. And like went back in with just like scorpion green and did like a tiny little line along that along that jawbone. And it looked really fucking cool. And you're just like playing around with color and like seeing where it's going to emerge and really... It's not something you can use on an army painting scale per se, but... No, but that's the entire point that army painting isn't isn't what you go to a class like that to learn. Army paint, to put it into a different term, yeah. like doing busts and like contest models or anything that you're really devoting a lot of really unique and interesting experimental techniques to, that is more artistic, whereas um, army painting in a lot of ways is more like graphic design because there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of internal logic and consistency and functionality. Formulaic. Yeah, so there's there's a very different philosophy going into army painting versus like a display piece. You know, that being said, if you can do that level of painting on an army, you will do well. Almost guaranteed. Because <laughs> if, it's, if each piece is an individual art piece, it's going to be impressive. Yeah, it might be a little discordant at, at a distance, but it just depends at that point in time on who's your audience and who's looking at it. Because some people are going to think it's amazing. With, assuming you can paint enough of those models yeah. in a reasonable amount of time. That's the other thing. With, 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 the, with the style and the instruction that he was giving out, though, like... We were blending from the three primary colors in black and white, which I did not think that I could come up with a good skin tone using five colors um, that were not skin tones at all. So it, that in itself was pretty amazing. Just being able to mix colors and practice and learn learn all of that, which was which was awesome. Um, and then yeah, like Tom said, like colors will automatically appear because you're blending those colors and how much how much red is in there, how much blue is in there, yeah. how much yellow. See that I and, also think would be insanely useful to see <clears throat> how people do that because my typical amount of blending is like this is the color that I want. Now I'm gonna get weird with it. I might add some blue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but but then not, he was go- even in your blues. Is it a warm blue? Is yeah. it a cold blue? Right. So and just the. Uh, talking about the emotions that you feel when you look at those colors, right? So, like, yellow. Um, one of the things that I was kind of surprised at is yellow is associated with death. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I would not have thought that. I thought, like, bright, cheery, and no. he's just like, nope, death. No, that's more, like, reds and pinks and <clears throat> stuff. Yellow you is, never like, jaundice and disease. Disease or the, uh, desert and Oh, and okay, now I get what you're talking about. You're thinking in general, whereas in skin color, yellow is not healthy. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, well, just, uh, yeah. But I mean, just. Well, culturally, like red is associated with uh, blood and warfare and that kind of stuff and aggression, and then yellow is a little more of a, a not great color. 
Um, but I think isn't in the, the he's sitting right there. The, <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> uh, but, but no, but in the fantasy uh, magic uh, rulebook, wasn't death yellow? Uh, death was desert? death was amethyst magic. Which one was yellow? Um, amber. No, no amber. Gold would have been either metal or yeah, light was white. I think it would have been more metal. Yellow was something that wasn't. Oh, amber was also beasts. Yeah. Okay, right. I thought yellow was, was death. Yeah. But but with the blending of the colors, it, I think it's inspired me to like do uh, more of that blending on my own using the primary colors and such on smaller war bands, and that's kind of why I'm excited to do things like this is not a test. Um, even Infinity, maybe just blending my own colors for the models, because they are unique individuals oh, yeah. in the game itself, right? It's not useful for army painting well, in you, the slightest. That's one of the reasons these games are, I think, so popular is a lot of people if they want to play just a game are going to go play a video game if they want to paint miniatures and play a game they can do a skirmish game right like and you don't have to worry about suffering through 40 miniatures and like the new infinity tournament um uh system is uh limited resource i can't remember the name of it but you get 10 models that's it you can't Hmm. go above that so um yeah, you can paint up 10 models, and that's and, that's a thing. And make them very unique, yeah. right? Even in that scale. But, I mean, looking at what we were actually painting, like the 75 mil and, and the bus that you're working on, and, and just finding new inspiration and models and, and colors themselves, I, yeah. I'm really excited for it. So. And see, that's what I'm going, was trying to get with the, the idea of mixing colors, is when I mix colors into something, <clears throat> it's usually because I have a limited idea of what I'm going after, but it's a it's a trial and error thing. Like there's no theory behind what I'm doing. Like I'm gonna do blue because I want to maybe cool down the miniature. Yeah, and right. I think one of the most interesting things I've never used a wet palette before. Um, so good. But one of the ways that he did it is um, whenever you're mixing in colors, and a really neat way to do it is take your your base color, right, yeah. kind of in the center, and then mix in little bits in arms off of it. Yeah. So you're getting a full spectrum of color. Yeah. Off of that base tone, and then you can kind of pick and choose from those colors where you want and you can place them and blend your mid-tones around that and I think that comes from like a lot of traditional like canvas like your your palette if you're like yeah. painting on a canvas a lot of you know artists use that way so that's yeah another technique that's coming over from like the more traditional it's art good to world know. I do that when I'm mixing things a little bit I don't do lines but I'll mix my center color and then pull the whites out this really makes me want to like start narrating like Bob Ross style when I paint. It's like, you know, I made a little mistake. Paint a little tree over here and uh, a little tree because everybody, that was everybody, really everybody and, could use a friend. And that was and that was a big thing too, where it's just like, hey, you know what? If you make a mistake, include it in your model, like incorporate it, right? So if it looks cool, if like, it looks cool, maybe not, maybe not say. if you smudge easy silver to, pigment well, under your fur cloak. Yeah, that would be a little bit tougher. Dirty hands and painting is a bad call. Yeah, I did but, that. Uh, you picking on me right now? <laughs> a little bit, making yeah. it personal. It wasn't on his fur cloak. It was on his. So it was on his but shirt. I, there was someone on his fur cloak too. What? What? <laughs> it was I, really subtle though. Don't worry. The, the matte varnish helped. I, fu- I found. I don't see it. The blending. Uh, the blending. Um, uh, what was it? I, what can I think of it? Um, I exercises. Uh, I found really useful and uh, surprisingly, purple is really hard to make. Oh, you can't just yeah, red and blue. It is red and blue. Well, the problem is that for if you're getting into using just primary colors, yeah. there's actually a warm and cool version of every primary. 
Yeah. And if you're going to be making purple, you need to have the right versions of the primaries to make the purple. And if you start, yeah, if you start mixing purples incorrectly, red, it turns turn gray money. and flat and shitty very quickly. Really, if you really tried, fast. if you've tried to mix um, into a lot of purples, like it can go fantastically wrong in an instant. Yeah, it's purple. Really that's true. Purple. It's rare that a purple goes pink. It always ends up going flat or gray. Because you, you're yeah. technically supposed to start with more of a magenta. Yeah. In the reds and mix that with the with the cool blue. Um, and then I, because we're going over, and we could talk about this for hours, but one of the last things that I thought he said, for, at least for me, was uh, that was really cool was the idea of mixing in a little bit of blue ink into your blacks, mm-hmm. if you want to do that pure black, because it's cooling the black off a little bit, and the cooler colors are typically darker. You mix that with your black, and you're going to perceive that black as more black than if you had it's very like comic book black. style as well that's very similar to a lot of what uh, your Raven Guard actually did but you did not maybe quite the same way with blue ink but you did your highlights yeah the blue. highlights up to up to gray through blue yeah I was trying yeah. to get at the same thing because that was that was me looking at like especially some of the older comic books where they didn't yeah. have the full like they had the CKMY um, yeah like printing so they didn't have the full spectrum of colors so if there was a blue tint to the black it was really vibrant, and I always liked that effect. So that's what I was kind of yep. trying to recreate to make them not look like just Black Templars. Yep. For sure. Any last impressions from you, Ward? Um, if he comes back like he wants to, I will go back to the next class. Absolutely. And like I said, if any of you ever get a chance to attend one of his classes, don't think, just go. It's well, worth your while. you think while you're there, though? Uh, your, your my brain, brain hurts. Hurt. Your brain will hurt. Your brain will really, really, really hurt for about a week. Cool. Yeah. Can you just go in and just like, and like the Matrix style, and you're like, whoa, I know Kung Fu, and just download it? No, like, would that be possible? No, Is it easier no, that way? I don't. I can't, I can't even fathom. Whoa. You'd probably pop. <laughs> Drink it from the fire hose. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. So moving on, uh, the next... This is going to be, I think, a bit of a simpler topic. We're talking about the various neoprene mats you can get. So the most pad mats. Yeah. Yep. If uh, you haven't seen those, the probably the most common one around everywhere lately has been mat. the Fat Mat, the Frontline Gaming and Table War. Um, they Do have we behind, have one of the other ones here? Yep. It's behind the uh, couch there. Anyways, um, I have Fat Mat. Ward, you have a thousand Fat Mats, it feels like. Uh, 30-some? Yeah, okay, that's basically a 1,000. Yeah, um, Compared to the average person. They're awesome. The neoprene material is a really, really nice uh, material to make a gaming mat out of. And the main reason... (gasps) Wait, wait, (laughs) don't talk about that yet, Tom. We're going to get there. We're talking about just generally mouse pad materials, because I know exactly which one you're excited about. Yeah. Uh, Don't say a word. We'll get to it. No, but the the material, the reason it's so good is is the same reason a mouse pad is so good. Is there's a a low friction material, so when you're actually playing your games, your miniatures can slide across the table. Everything, um, you don't have to worry about like you know the GW uh, uh, table that they had where the hills were a little bit off kilter and your miniatures were always falling down. Yeah, yeah. And when you're trying to move your miniatures across the table, especially when you had anybody that played uh, fantasy and you tried to move a regiment in a movement tray and it would get stuck on texture and that kind of garbage, mm-hmm. it was always not fun. This eliminates that, which is the first thing about the mouse pad material. It's Quit making so much noise. Is this that noisy? Yeah. I'm a little worried it is. Yes. 
That's okay. They're I'm always so quiet. Give me this one. Yeah, Tom never makes loud noises. <laughs> what? The loud noises I make are often on topic. So, yeah, the, the neoprene... Uh, and it's also waterproof, which is important for drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, it, it does have several advantages. Um... Uh, rolling dice is a big uh, plus. Yes. It's uh-huh. sound dampening too, so it's not clear clatter of like dozens of dice. If mm-hmm. you've played on a Zuzzy mat, <laughs> uh, you'll know the pain of having a dice land on a corner. It's funny, but it's kind of annoying the 30th time it happens in one Yeah, game. when you roll a batch of dice and approximately 100% of them are cocked at all times, yeah. it's fucking frustrating. And the other thing that's nice about mouse pads is because they are a material that's been used to print designs in like the, the computer gaming world and like different graphics and that kind of stuff, the printing has come a long way and the quality it's a very of the proven graphics, material. The quality of the graphics is really, really good. And if, if you haven't seen the frontline gaming <clears throat> mats... For 40k, you should take a look at them. They have some fantastic designs specifically geared around the scenarios that you play from the 40k rulebook, which is really, really cool for my yeah, so zones, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's those very subtle cues like the lines of the streets are in line with the deployment zone markers. There's little flares or newspapers on the ground, like marking out certain the things. The diagonals. The diagonals, yeah. yeah like it's, Relics it's pretty right clever. in the center. Yep. Uh, and they have about approximately a thousand different uh, designs now across the frontline gaming stuff. Now, what we're going to talk about is the um, Deep Cut Studios. We're, we're going to do a head-to-head. Um, yeah. Deep, Deep Cut came into the matte scene later uh, with, with, the neoprene, with the neoprene. Yeah. Um, so th- the big thing for them um, is the sheer amount of mats that you can get. Because they, they use a thinner uh, neoprene sheet, so it's not... I don't know if this is 3 or 4 mil from Fat Mat, but they use a 2 mil um, from Deep Cut. Yeah, I can't tell what that is. Which is a hell of a lot lighter weight for shipping. Hmm. And uh, in terms of storage and everything else, like for rolling them flat and everything, it's just... It's pretty convenient. Like I actually have a mouse pad as well that's in like the much thinner neoprene, and it's I really like it. Yeah, makes it's, sense. Especially for shipping weight, because shipping these beasts is expensive across halfway around the planet. Yeah, so we we got a couple different like sections that we were just gonna quickly touch on. Um, let's let's talk about like shipping. Um, regardless of which whichever company you go with, neoprene mat shipping is gonna be expensive. Yeah, because they're big and they're heavy, relatively. Um, even if you were to go to an event and buy a mat, that's gonna increase your luggage weight significantly. Yeah, uh, coming back. I picked mine up from Las Vegas Open, and I folded mine in a U and put it in my backpack as a carry-on. I, yeah. I lucked out because I got the three by three, so that's a lot man. easier to tote around. Yeah. So it could just go in my luggage. But I will tell you right now that if you are going to pick up uh, one or two, maybe you can fit that in your your carry-on from a con. But that's pushing it. That's heavy too. That's that's yeah, pretty extreme. Yeah, like some weight. Carry, carrying those to and from an event is. Uh, a little bit uh, tiring as oh, well. Yeah. So without a doubt, I mean, they're at the end of the day, they're basically rubber. So like, yeah, so that's be, a heavy material. Be prepared to to pay a little bit more. Um, cost wise, it, it's going to be about the same between the two. Uh, shipping from the states is pretty expensive. Like you were looking at uh, a fat mat. Were, were you not, Mike? Yeah, how was it going? It was like forty five bucks shipping, and they're up to American, what's... and like the mat was like fifty five or sixty, and I'm like, huh. Was that a three by three? Yeah, no, that was a, that was a four by six. Really? Because these were uh, that's surprising. I know that the fat mats at the con I think were seventy dollars US. 
It was a sale. Don't, oh, it, was, okay. it was a sale, so that's why the mat was that cheap. With the, I was say, that's, that's why I'm saying deal. the chipping was ten or fifteen dollars cheaper than the entire mat uh, itself. And, <laughs> and then not to, ma- and then not to mention crazy. the customs as well, right? Yeah. So, so there's there's the added costs of, of bringing in mats. There are a couple stores like locally that do sell like fat mats. Yeah. Um, Deep Cut is overseas, so they're not. They don't have a. Well, I know like locally, even they were looking at like 130 bucks for a mat. Yeah, yep. and that's a good deal. That's yeah. actually relatively low margins on them uh, when you're talking about the exchange rate yep. and shipping. So, um, if you're yeah, if you're worried about cost for a neoprene mat, this may not be the way to go. There still are cheaper grass mats and that kind of stuff. Out or there. vinyl. Or vinyl, vinyl is still very affordable. Which is again way easier. What to I transport. wanted to say is, Deep Cut got in with vinyl. That was their first material that they used, right? And they had yep. some that were the cloth yeah. as well, like not neoprene but oh, actual okay. cloth. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone's buying those anymore. Well, the reason that I, I like the neoprene more than the the vinyl, especially from Deep Cut, is vinyl scratches. Yeah, exactly. Um, you don't get that with with neoprene. The the other advantage with neoprene over vinyl too is that. If you roll it out, it's going to be flat automatically compared to you have to unroll it. It. rolled yep. up Absolutely. edges. But you cannot crease a fat mat. You do have to give the vinyl one thing is that it's usually crisper and higher res. Yeah. It has. It definitely has a better, uh, just because of the surface, like there's a lot more surface texture on the neoprene. Well, they're printing on a cloth. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no absolutely. So it's, yeah. You get uh, a lot higher resolution. A, there's a give, that's why. Yeah. But that is the... the, the, the when you come down to it, the vinyl is going to have a sharper and you get, clearer image. And you like get the, the richer dark. You get the richer darker colors yeah. in the vinyl yeah. as yes. well. Yes, oh, through your blacks look better. Yeah. Um, the uh, the star maps that you Dan, I think was he, or Dan, who picked up the star, the space maps. I did. I've got two. Or, I think I've got three at least star yeah, maps. You were in the yeah. same order. They look fantastic for the nebulas and that and yeah. that kind of stuff. Again, oh, in the in the vinyl. Yeah, they look so yeah, good, but. I've, they are going to crease. They aren't going to roll out that nice. You've got to be scratch. careful with them. You've yeah. definitely got to be careful. You cannot slide a miniature, even an X-Wing miniature. If you slide it in the wrong way and catch an edge on it, you will scratch your, your yep. surface. Your mats and such. Um, I mean, I mean, as a side point, the Hawk ones are really soft, and I don't think they will scratch it. S- oh, okay. Setting, setting up for event, typically, if I, if I have the, the vinyl mats, I have to roll them out the night before to let Give them, them kind of settle. Uh, compared to like the the neoprene rate, so that's that's why I went to the neoprene for drop zone and drop fleet as well. So okay, so now we're gonna move into uh, the fat mat uh, designs are pretty pretty standard for a lot of their stuff, like their desert and jungle and, and I, those designs are not groundbreaking. They look good. I want to say the fat mats. The only ones that really wow me in any capacity are their forty k specific ones. I agree. I the agree. rest of them are. They and have they generic. have up they now have grassy planes too I think it is I can't remember what they are but they have upped their quality of their prints for certain uh, of their original series mats and they do look better they're a little higher res and they have a little more yeah. detail to them I'm not saying they're bad no it's just when you get to the deep cut ones there's way more interesting designs well you're also talking about and I I'm not going to disagree with you on this because we'll, we'll just jump right into it the drop fleet mats are absolutely astounding. They're stunning. They're fucking gorgeous. Yes. Uh, the scale lends itself to to being grandiose. Like, you're basically getting a satellite image of a planet. Um, and the satellite image is done with a lot of shade and details. Like, there's a lot of uh, contrast between the mountains and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and the mountains, the, the water, and the clouds. The very so much contrast. The sand and the clouds. 
Depending on the map that you picked up, yeah. Or in my case, all three. Yeah. The map so. that you picked up, the desert one with the ocean or, or inland lake, I'm not really sure what it is because you can't, not on the corner of that, looks absolutely stunning. I think it's probably the best looking mat that anybody's ever produced. I might go home and build my drop fleet <laughs> just <laughs> to play on that mat. Yeah, so it looks really good. I, th- I think that's, that's where Deep Cut has the advantage over um, the fat mats is because they have quite the range. Any mat that they produce, you can typically get in uh, one of the three different materials. So yeah, you can get green cloth or or vinyl, and in all and the different sizes. For so the other thing too. I want to say though, before we go any further, one of the reasons I think that that scale lends itself so well to um, the neoprene and uh, just that general image style is in satellite images, they talk a lot about meters per pixel. So you can get away with having a slightly more porous material and still looking really, really good because your your resolution's worse in satellite image. I think when you have a grassy plane or even the 40K mats, it does look a little fuzzy. And that's okay on a satellite image because the clouds are fuzzy, the shadows are fuzzy, the hills are a little fuzzier. Yeah, And it works really, really good for that. Now, I'd like to see them do... um, like their their uh, urban wasteland and stuff with like the really sharp rubble and the painted lines on the roads and stuff. Exactly. Do you have any of those work? I don't have the wastelands, no. But I did pick up the uh, city. Uh, yeah, and it looks pretty good. Zone. But I, again, I think it doesn't. It looks as good as the frontline gaming ones. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Although, in th- quality of aesthetic wise, yes. Well, this is a much more usable um, board for drop zone. Because the one that they do from deep cut or from frontline is actually way too busy. There's too many streets and intersections. Oh, it's really hard to one. game on. It is a garbage mat. It is the worst drop zone design you could possibly imagine. Really, I, I, I think Fat Matt tries to make a lot of generic mats that you can use for multiple systems. Oh, they totally do. And, yeah, and yeah. deep deep cut's got a lot of like specialized like mat mats and. Uh, having the advantage of like picking the material that you want is is fantastic. They just, they just seem to have a way more diverse catalog. They've got it looks like there's a lot more patterns and all the options are available for virtually everything. And you can ask them to customize stuff. Like if you want, like I always say, if you want like a hex grid or a square grid or anything overlaid on one of their mats, just ask them. Or they do, do a Malifaux like deployment zone center line marker. Like, overlay as well for yeah. all their three by threes. Like they have fantasy football ones with like they, yeah. uh, the Blood Bowl style grid pattern on them that's the think, same size as the game board. Like they've got all those options. And I think they have nine different styles. I guess all I'm that. saying is the start. quality of print for here. I think is the quality's about the same. The forty K yes. and that are the uh, the the Fat Mat and the Deep Cut Studios quality of print is yeah. similar. The design for that is great because that's an that's an officially licensed drop zone mat, right? They say drop zone on the yeah. on the so page when you look um, at it. So. And I mean, it, it clearly looks like uh, a cradle world. Like it's got that same sort of style with the the um, uh, I don't know what you want to call them boulevard, like the green shrubbery strips. Yep. Yeah, I mean exactly. Like, yeah. They're, they're, uh, Mike's showing me more of the drop fleet maps for those of you that can't uh, see through the radio. <laughs> uh, they're, they're stunning. That's what I'm saying. I think the whether or not you go with Frontline Gaming or Deep Cut Studios for most of the game systems, whatever, whichever one you like, they're, they're both good. They're both fantastic. But the drop fleet stuff are some of the most stunning mats I've ever seen by uh, far. I, I picked up fat mats because they were the ones that were doing it first. Yep. But going forward, if I were to buy, well, 
not if I was going to buy more mats. It's basically yeah. just a matter of when at this point. You'll let me know, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, deep, deep, deep Cut just has way more options. Yep. That's, that's what it is, right? So, yeah. yeah, and if they're slightly cheaper, you can't really lose. So, again, at the end of the day, whichever one you like, like if there's a 40K mat from Frontline Gaming, you're not going to be – you're not going to feel like you got ripped off. Uh, deep Cut Studios is probably doing a little bit better. Uh, but if you're talking about the cost being somewhat equivalent, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would say cost-wise they're even. Um, neoprene itself, um, both qualities of neoprene uh, are are fine. I don't think that the the extra thickness or being a little bit thinner for the deep cut is a big factor. No, the weight here is not going to like break your shoulder, and the thinness on the deep cut isn't going to like have it fall apart. No, There's no issue with that. No, nothing. Nothing there changes. I think. I think the only real deciding factor is design. Design, just the sheer amount of that yeah. deep and, cut has. And to be honest, I would probably give a slight edge, both in terms of variety and quality of the designs. I have to give it a, just by a hair to um, deep cut personally. Yeah. I found th- their color palettes are just a little bit more unified and interesting. I agree on a lot of their mats. Like they really pop. I agree. I actually, like I said, I think they were always maybe marginally better. Their stuff was was good, but it wasn't like blow uh, fat mats out of the water territory until their drop fleet stuff. Their drop <laughs> fleet mats are absolutely ridiculous. The, the biggest thing they've got going on is the uh, water features because I don't, I don't really see anything that Frontline, uh, like the fat mats have done for that level of contrast. Like they, they seem to almost fall into like the Star Wars style planet design where like it's just ice or it's just grass yes. or it's just desert. They and don't like have I was the saying, variety. Their that some newer of the deep stuff cut. is better. Yeah, their newer yeah. stuff is better, but it's still not that. It's still not the drop, uh, the drop fleet stuff. It's yeah, like I mean that is awesome. I'd like to see it actually in the vinyl because I think I got the vinyl. My, Mike picked up a vinyl. He yeah. picked up a vinyl of in that the. One? No, no, no he, not he, the winter and the uh, earth one. The earth one looks really good. The winter was actually an interesting no. one because if it Mike, scratches white on a winter out. theme, it's the not as big of a deal. Yeah, so so Mike's Mike's got the vinyl versions and I've got the 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 neoprene song. Nice. which makes sense because you're bringing them to a tournament. Uh, yeah. That's one thing. If you have them at home, just for you know games every couple of weeks. Um, you're not going to have that sort of issue. So and how if, many did you and if you're up? playing yourself versus having know, hey? playing with playing yourself, like you're going to take better care. Than <laughs> you were saying, Tom. I'm sorry. What? Oh, splooge. I know you're, you're talking about the desert one looking good. How about that? They I still think the, I still like the colors more on the desert one because I think the they're the, both good though. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're both really good. Yeah, I I agree. I like that one more. Do you like green or brown more? Is because <laughs> no, honestly, it's red. the more teal water versus the more blue water. Is the is the I like the more blue and every the everybody that too. everybody yeah. that picked up a mat is like super jazzed about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. super jazzed. Well, I guess I can just borrow yours because it's no, not yours, Ward's. No. <laughs> um, so the question I have for you: How many did you order for the drop fleet? Uh, they only have three designs currently. Uh, I think there's also talk about them doing a. That doesn't answer the question. Night. I bought all three. I bought all three. One drop. Of each, or one of each? Yeah, yeah, one neoprene of each, and then I also picked up. Uh, they've got two of the cityscapes for drop uh, zone, yeah. and I picked up one of each of those. Okay. So, so I took the more washed out, a little more... Uh, yeah, of course you did. That one's going to look so good with the Rune City buildings from... 
Yeah. I wanted to have a little more of a, like an older style. No, the other one is more uh, sepia colored. I think you're losing yeah, your mouth right? slowly. I think you should yeah. step, put your foot down. Oh. <laughs> well, I figured if, if we're if we're gaming, uh, might as well leave a set here, right? So Yeah, they and you might as well buy yes. some TNT mats that I can steal. Sure. <laughs> I'll get on that right away. No, but the the drop zone commander uh, Matt looks like like Orem, like that kind of that style of UCM planet, and the scale fits, and the, the scale is huge awesome. too. But not only that, like I'm saying, the actual design really fits the drop zone aesthetic yep. for UCM. Oh, it it does. looks like you're fighting over a cradle world, yeah, which is really really cool. And it doesn't look pristine. One of the things I've always kind of not liked about Drop Zone is a lot of the buildings and... Like, you're supposed to be fighting over planets that have been occupied by the Scourge for 160 years, and all the buildings are pristine. Yep. Which is a little weird. I've always liked the uh, the Drop Zone buildings that are a little worn. Like, they're damaged, they have vines growing over them, they're, they're, a, they're a little bombed out. I feel like their mats fit that a little bit more. They're not pristine. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, I'm a big fan of the deep cut stuff. I think we all are at this point. I'm also a big fan of the frontline stuff, though, too. They're both good. Deep cut might be doing it a little bit better, but like I said, you're not going to feel ripped off if you get a frontline map. No, there, I've got one. I love it. I, yeah. collect, I have two, actually, a 4x4 four four and a 3x3. Three three. Mm. Like them both. I have their original, uh, I think it's Urban Warfare 1, I want to say. It's, it's their 40k specific one, and it is an absolutely perfect map for 40k. Yeah. It looks fantastic. Um, and it's got a little more of that contrast we were talking about. It's got like some of those green little chemical mm-hmm. spill pools. Um, and they've done a new version of this since that's even crisper on the print. It looks a lot better. Nice. So, Alright, um, so buy them. Yeah, I don't think we need to give it a rating because I think all the neoprene mats are generally around a 4 or 5. I think the only reason I wouldn't give it a 5 is cost. If you're going to buy one gaming mat, really, at the end of the day, you get a good neoprene grass mat, you're going to be super happy with it. It's going to last you a ton of time, and the only downside is cost. And that's why I've got a 4x4 neoprene grass mat. Yep, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. I guess moving on. Yeah, all right. So the last period is going to be talking about uh, what you can do over the holidays for gaming. And that's going to be worth kind of thinking about in terms of, first off, what kind of games you can play when you're with your family for the holidays? Not necessarily busting out like forty k battle tech. Yeah, that's not a that's not a you know just dive right in, guys. Just an yeah family game. Yeah. Let's play an Atlas versus a Mad Cat. Let's do this, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't think that's gonna work. And it, it's not that you're stuck with your family, but there's less gaming over the holidays. People get busy doing stuff, and it's tough to find. Yeah, there's obligations. Our usual outlet. So most of the time, you can sucker some family members into a board game of choice. Yes. So I'm going to immediately say the one that I like the most for uh, family games or whatever you're doing with people that aren't miniature gamers, Settlers of Catan. It's not my favorite board game, but it's super inoffensive because there's not really uh, like warfare or conflict or whatever. You're trying to build cities and make the biggest city. Um, It's pretty quick to get into. It's complex enough to keep people uh, interested, though. And I think generally it's uh, it's mainstream enough that it doesn't throw anybody off. Yeah, I would counter with I really like going for the games that you can play in forty five minutes or less. Yeah, settlers is maybe Be- not that. because 
oftentimes, especially when you're with your family for the holidays, there's always stuff going on. There's kids running around, there's cooking or yeah. or cleaning or organizing or something happening. So being able to just sit down and play a game for that 30 to 45 minutes is a really great way to just pass some time here and there with various different people. Yeah. So a game that I love for that's actually Love Letter. I have not heard of this game. Um, they've actually got a Christmas variant called Letters to Santa Claus. And, and <laughs> it's basically, really easy to learn. It's fast to pick up and it's fast to play. All you do, gotcha. it's all based around the idea that the last person with a card at the end of the round is the winner. Okay. And every card will have a number on it from one to eight. Um, eight being the highest, one being the lowest. And if any time, whoever has the highest number at the end of the round wins. But there's also instructions on all of the cards that can potentially eliminate other players from the game. So, for example, the soldier allows you to guess any of your opponent's cards. If you guess correctly, they're out of the round. Oh, okay. There's the knight, which allows you to um, compare your card with your opponent's card. If your card is higher, they're out of the round. Like, these kinds of things, right? Okay. Gotcha. And... All you do is play, what, like eight or nine rounds, and that's the game. Nice. Each round takes four minutes. And the mechanic is you you pick up a card, you play a card. So you only ever have one card in your hand. Okay, gotcha. And the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate move is every turn that you get a soldier in your hand, guess princess on someone, turn one. Because it is so satisfying, because the princess is the... Is the highest one, right? Yeah. Uh, and just knocking the princess out right away is really good. Gotcha. Just be spiteful. I see how it goes. Well, it's, <laughs> it's funny, especially when I can do it to Barnaby like two or three turns in a row. Ah. Uh, it's really satisfying. Um, yeah, that's surprising. The big group game that I would uh, suggest uh, is King of Tokyo. Oh, you stole yeah, it. That is you a good stole one. It. Uh, you can always go King of New York, Mike. That's uh, different. You can be different, for sure. It's different. Um, it's just you, not the same. You can. It's it's got the wide variety of uh, age groups. Like you can play it with young kids. You can play it with your grandparents. It's not offensive at all. Uh, it's better than playing well, I don't know. cards playing against humanity. Cyber Bunny. Hey, Cyber shut your Bunny face! Is Cyber Bunny's the bomb. Yeah, Cyber um, Bunny is a real piece of shit. Again, qu- <laughs> fuck you. Quick Steve. to pick up. Uh, there's expansions for it to include yeah. like new monsters, new war gear. It can be a little bit slow with the the building your character if you're not really sort of familiar as to how the cards all interact. That can get a little weird. But beyond that, the mechanics are super simple. It's Yahtzee with mutants. Yep. Yeah, yeah, really. At the end of the day, <laughs> like <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, Yahtzee meets Godzilla. Yeah, you uh, you brought over King of Tokyo. Uh, we had a games night, and I immediately went and bought it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's usually the case. And I f- and I also um, the other thing that I would say is is I find that um, buying games is a little bit better. My my brother used to be big into like video games. Well, he still is big into video games, but well, aren't um, we all? <laughs> T- but typically for Christmas, though, rather than buy him a game and have him be like a, a recluse, yeah, where he disappears to the basement and you don't see him for the rest of the night, uh, we've been buying. I feel like you're talking about us cousins. <laughs> we've been buying cousins and siblings board games for Christmas. Typically, That's pretty, uh, I see what you're saying. And then basically they get it for Christmas. Um, they're excited for it. it. They rip open the box, and usually a game happens after dinner. So, which is pretty sweet. So. Now, King, King of Tokyo is one of those games. Yeah, thanks. Bro. The other one that you got me into uh, is The Cure. The Cure? Oh, the pandemic, the pandemic dice pandemic. game. Pandemic. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We that would have been my cure. suggestion. <laughs> really? Yeah. Pandemic or The Cure? Oh, there's 
There's more than one. Oh yeah, oh, the cure yeah. is the dice game. The pandemic is the board game. Okay. That one's a little more trickier. I don't think that's something you can pull out and say, "Hey, let's play this." And which one, oh. the cure or pandemic? Pandemic. Okay, because the cure is pretty quick. Oh yeah, no, the cure is quick. Yeah. Pandemic it's Yahtzee is not. with diseases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, punchline: If it's like Yahtzee, it's gonna be a good time. <laughs> also, I feel like the way they design the probabilities in that game, Africa is always. The pro- the problem to contain diseases are in Africa. Just just a, a piece of advice for playing the game: make sure you have people curing disease there. Otherwise, you will lose. Um, anyways, that's my experience with it. And if you look at the dice uh, odds that they have, the most chances for things happening are in Africa, which is maybe not the best on the game designer's part. <laughs> Uh, another really Maybe good they game. Did that just because it's oh, essentially. Oh, oh, oh. I get a turn here. Everybody keeps stealing my stuff. We do keep you stealing your stuff. Cure. Hey, Mike. Anyways, Ciro, I don't know if you know what it is. No, never even heard it's of it. It's a, it's a, it's a, you put little tiles down, and basically all your guys start on these tiles, and they move along, but you place, each place a tile each turn. The object is to throw the other guys off, and they interconnect and connect and weave, and so as you're building, your guy's traveling around. Every time you connect, he travels again. It's an awesome game. Oh, and if you can place the tile right, you can send your opponent off. But if you're not watching, like you can also the kill yourself. Yeah. yeah, you fly off the edge. So of the event, oh, eventually, if you keep going until you hit a dead end, yeah. and most of the trails end up eventually, like, especially as you go on later in the game, most of the trails like zigzag you around and off. Of there them. will never be a dead end. Uh, every every tile has uh, two points on each side, so there's yeah. eight points, and just based on the design. You'll make like a loop. So I, I don't understand how you like, Is there a card that says this is the end of the world? No, no, it's a little tile. <clears throat> yeah. there, there's, there's a little squiggly line, and that's one route. Then there's another squiggly line, and that's a route. There, and then when you put them together, the roots connect, and you follow the path and, of that. And there's a set okay. board with dimensions. So there's you oh, can do so many tiles. By up, so many tiles. So, many so, tiles. Many. so it's sort of like Snake. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can't run off the edge. Right. Okay, gotcha. I mean, you're basically your dragons, and you're trying to place the tiles to get the other dragons to fly off the edge of the world. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a yeah. And it's kind of like fun. I said, very it's, it's simple. a very thinking problem kind of game. Yeah, it's 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 easy to learn, but, but you got to be tricky too because if you're not if you're not yeah. watching, you place the wrong tile down, you can literally kill yourself. The end. The game can end very abruptly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very it sounds abruptly. it sounds like one of those like but math anyways, problem thinky games kind of thing. Fast to learn. Yeah. Anybody can get into it. It's not going to be. Was it called again? Zero. Zero. Zero or zero. zero. T.S. Zero. Okay, zero. That yeah. sounds like one I should pick up. <laughs> yeah, it's neat. And it's, it is one where, like, the cards that you're playing, they don't have any, like, numbers or letters or anything on them. It's just that pattern. Do we play that one together? Hmm. Yeah, we played it at uh, the cafe. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, that's hmm. the only time that I played it. It was awesome. So. Yeah, it was really neat. Like, very fast-paced. Yeah, it's like, like I said, quick, easy to learn. I would also like to sneak in Takenoko. I think if you have teenagers in there, that's a good one to play, too. Ta- Takenoko is limited, though, on the sheer four number player. of players. Yeah, the other thing with that four. game is that I would not drop that game on someone that hasn't played a board game before. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Who hasn't played a board game, though? I think well, that's okay. I don't know, but like it's it's definitely one where there's... When you're having to deal with all the things happening, Like there's a lot of... Um, Planning and prepping and, and thinking involved, whereas things like uh, like Zero or Love Letter or no, no, I Tokyo are a lot more just. But like, if these they are vets and yeah, most of my family it's plays one you board like. games during holiday seasons. It's it's easy. To that throw game's in there. fucking adorable. I'm yeah. just gonna say it. Yeah, <laughs> the panda's amazing. They cut an expansion with the uh, little panda girl now, eh? 
Ooh, do they get to make panda babies? I don't know. I haven't gone into it, but there is a there <laughs> okay. is new cards. Yeah, you you brought it with Takenoko. It's a great game, actually. We played it. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I played it yeah, with you. You did. Uh, so I, one more you. I brought it over. You brought it you over. Brought okay. It over. I know somebody. There is there is a game somewhere. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna play with fewer players, so that one's limited to four. You were saying. Yeah. Four. If you have, uh, I don't know. You don't want to play with the whole family. You want to play more of a heads up game. One of the ones that we quite like is Patchwork, which is. A very different game. Um, the idea of patchwork is you have to collect pieces from the board in a set period of time, and the better the piece you collect, the more you move towards the end of the game. So if you are picking up the better pieces, you get less moves. Hmm. But the pieces you pick up fit on a board to make a quilt, and you, you the objective is to fill up your entire board. So for every square you don't have filled, you lose points. Um, and you get points for all the, the squares that you have as well. So it's, it's a very different mechanic. If you, uh, It is actually really simple because at the end of the day, you just decide which one you want to pick of the three that you can in your little space, and then it tells you how far you move your guy on the board, and you place it down on your little quilt. So it's quick to pick up, and it it's, makes you think a huge amount because you have to be aware of what's going to fit next, where your piece is going to go, and what you can grab from your next move, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is only two players. Uh, it's one that Alex and I like to play a lot, and she loves to like force anybody that is willing to play a board <laughs> game to play that game. She thinks it's just amazing. Lovely. So, Did you have one, Dan? Uh, a couple of the ones that I like were already discussed, so <laughs> I think I'm covered. One other one that I want to throw as an honorable mention if you want to get in fist fights with your family. Resistance? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that game. Resistance is amazing. Um, it does work better with more people. Yeah, that's kind of the game where if you've got that, like, six to eight people over... Ten. Ten. Is ten, ten. Works Actually, really nine is really, really good. Yeah. Ten is a little too, too even. Nine is a great number. Uh, the basic premise being uh, you are you're all part of this large organization trying to complete missions against the Resistance. Unfortunately... No, you are the Resistance. No, no, let resistance. me... Let, unfortunately, half of you are actually the Resistance. No, you're not half, but like less than less half. Less than half are the spies. The resistant, the spies oh, are the government agents. Oh, sorry, I didn't have that backwards. Is trying to be a yeah, it is backwards. The resistance is trying to bring down the government, and you've got spies in your. Oh, okay, right. Okay, yeah. so the spies are the ones that you need to figure out who the fuck are the spies because you don't know. So they're the ones trying to sabotage your mission without getting caught. Oh yeah. my god, we had so much fun playing it that one night. Yes. And Usually you just shout at other people because you don't... The Resistance players don't know who the spies are, and they can only try and figure out and form alliances. But the spies all know who they are. The spies them. know who they are, and they're trying to sow discord, and you're allowed to talk and, like, accuse people and try and get people on your side, and the spies are actively trying to convince other people that they are not spies, so it just usually ends up in a shouting match. It's hilarious and fun <clears throat> if you have a good group. If your families. Uh, tense, maybe not the game for you. <laughs> Try diplomacy instead. Yeah, diplomacy also. Mm, I don't know that. <laughs> that that one's more involved. Um, and then the last two that I would uh, mention, um, depending on who you have playing, probably not the best to have your grandparents play, but would be uh, Cards Against Humanity. Damn. Okay, fuck Cards Against Humanity. But that game was boring like eight years ago. Politically incorrect is also very good. Uh, Cards Against Humanity, the bigger blacker box is pretty good. What about Crabs Against Humanity? Is that a game? I yeah. Feel like it's, it's like a more inappropriate version of Cards Against oh, Humanity. Oh, that's, that's politically Have you guys correct. seen the, what is it, the Happiness and Cyanide version of... Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. 
The public service all, announcement. All those shock games are funny. Don't play them with your grandparents. Don't play them with your okay, grandparents. Okay, for the record, I did. And it was still fun. But if, for the love of God... <laughs> if, if you have those grandparents, yeah, for sure. If you're going to play this game, set. there's two things you have to do to make it fun. Rule number one, set a finite number of turns. Because if you let that game go indefinitely, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. everyone's miserable. If you do that whole, like, go to ten points or whatever, it can go on for an eternity if you have too many players. Yeah. And then rule number two is Rando Card Rizian. If you have never utilized Rando Card Rizian, what you do is every round you take however many cards as necessary to complete it. I don't care what even the rule is. It's Rando Card Rizian. That's my favorite thing ever. You take... Uh, like, if it's just pick one, you take one random card from the deck and throw it in there. If it's the, like, choose two or three or whatever, take them randomly, throw them in the stack with everyone else. The number of times that rando is the funniest match out there is staggering. I've had rando win games before. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. But I'm you, not surprised. It's going full Mad Lib style rather yeah. than uh, trying to be intentional. Yeah. I like that. But you have to play with those two rules. Finite turns and rando card Rizian. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Cards Against Humanity can take way too long. Like, shockingly long. Well, and everyone, it's like, there's always the first three or four rounds, everyone's got their cards. It's funny. And then there's kind of like seven or eight rounds that suck. Oh, yeah, because nobody has anything good. And then they build back up, and then there's like four or five rounds that are great. There are no taking grounds. And then that's it. (laughs) <laughs> Tokyo Sandblaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just think of the ones that I've had over the years. But it's <sighs> yeah. do not let that game last for more than an hour and a half. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it gets old. It I gets agree. old. Move on to something else. Yes, could not agree more. Anyways, I think have we covered all our favorite board games? Oh hell game? no! Like because I I also we, we could really go on we can we all there's we a, lot a lot of board, board games, games. but I think these are the ones that are really accessible games Bugmans oh I love Bugmans it's also a family game because it involves drinking children love it <laughs> <laughs> but like again these are some recommendations um, now if you want uh, something that we can do now that we were never really able to before Charity McDennis. Charity McDennis, they do make that game. Yeah, we couldn't do that before. I was going to say, take your family to a board game cafe and see if they like anything, because that might help get, help you get some Christmas ideas. Yeah, so you could do that leading up to the holidays and then have some ideas for what to purchase for the actual larger family gathering. That would be a good call. Yeah. A scouting mission. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good call. Especially if you don't already have a closet full of dozens of board games. Yeah. Or a TV stand behind you. Yeah. Womp <laughs> womp. You got nothing, Steve. You really don't. <laughs> That's only some of our games. Actually, you know what? I want to. I want to say this. Carcassonne is a great game to pick up easily. And you notice it's still in the plastic. We have yet to play it. I've heard it's fantastic. For reals? Yeah, we haven't played it. Yet. Love that game. Yeah, we need to. But you haven't played it. You said. I said I'd like to. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I thought you said I'd loved it too. And I'm like, I'd what? love to. I'd love to play it. Okay. Yeah. Before we just get too rambly on, let's kind of wrap it up here. Ward, what is coming up? <clears throat> so we've got some uh, events coming up before Christmas. Uh, we've got the Winter War, which is December 10th. Oh, my goodness. Winter my War? Isn't that Do you need to read these for you? Is your voice going to ha- handle this? I don't know if my voice is going to handle it. Here, cut it up. <clears throat> i got to bring it up. Bring it up on your phone. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> 
so much oh, faster. Lord. Um, the big the big event that I will mention is um, we do have uh, out of the basement announced. Uh, oh, really? January twenty first and twenty second uh, of the new year. Uh, seven seven different systems. Um, so Blood Bowl is a big one. Yeah. Forty uh, yeah. K Age of Sigmar Ninth Age. Um, you'll Blood see Bowl is a two day event. Malifaux Blood Bowl is a big event mm-hmm. going on. So it is actually the. Um the sausage, sausage cup. Sausage cup. cup. <laughs> I don't understand. Sponsored by our friend Todd. Todd owns a, a meat shop. Oh, so it's literally a sausage cup. Yeah. 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 He's donating the trophy. and Is it just links of sausage? No, it's a I, cup. I, well, no, I, ho- I hope there's links of sausage in the oh, cup. Because yeah, I'm actually not joking. So sausage is delicious. So. <laughs> Especially <laughs> his sausage. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Instead, oh, of, wow. instead of filling it. No, I'm not even doing that. He actually makes a mean <laughs> sausage. I would hope so. <laughs> Anyways, I'm point. Um, so yeah, that's the end of uh, January. Um, the LVO, February third to fifth. Uh, all the games. That all, is very accurate. All of the games are, are happening there. So again, GW is going to be there. If you play GW games and you want to have fun, go. Hawk is going to be there. Yeah, basically anybody that makes a game that's at that tournament is probably going to be there. Dan, there's going to be some battle tech there too. I'm not going to Vegas. Damn it! There, that company is also out of business. So, what company? The com- FASA. Well, FASA hasn't been around for a long time, but Catalyst makes. Oh, do they? Yeah, they've been they've been making BattleTech. Uh, oh, I thought rules the company was just for a long time. out of business. Not really? You came yep. late in the leash and let go. No, Catalyst is. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to MechCon this weekend, which is like the MechWarrior Online World Championship thing. It's happening while I'm in BC. So I'm nice. Going. And uh, so, like Catalyst and um, Hairbrain Scheme, that they're doing the turn based. The games are actually. Piranha Games that does MechWarrior Online. They're all going to be there. So. What, Mike? You're looking at me weird. The video games are awesome. MechWarrior Online's sweet. So, yeah. don't. No, Battletech's still alive and kicking. Don't worry. I just, I just thought Battletech, the board game, was like full on dead. Like Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, no it's, it's still around. That's awesome. Uh, and then the last uh, big event that I have is the Colder Than Carbonite event, February 17th and 18th at the Wellington Park Community Hall. 300-point um, infinity uh, armies, and uh, it should be an awesome time. There's going to be a beer affinity on Friday night Ooh. and games on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to try and get to that one. I think that'll be fun. Sounds good. Well, until next time, this has been another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm Rose Tom. I'm Dan. I'm losing my voice. I'm Mike. (laughs) I'm Steve. And until next time, page fucking models and have fun playing board games with your family over the holidays.